All right, Amos chapter 2, verse number 7, reads as follows. That pant after the dust of the earth on the head of the poor, and turn aside the way of the meek, and the man and his father will go in the same maid to profane my holy name. And they lay themselves down upon clothes laid to pledge by every altar, and they drink the wine of the condemned in the house of their God. All right, let's bow forward to prayer before we get started on today's Sunday School. Uh, dear God, thank you for your word, the Bible, that we have it to learn from, to get your message, to make it part of our lives. Lord, we ask that you be with this whole church now as we all try to hear your word and learn it and uh, make it part of who we are and to learn more. Praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. We continue now with our study of the book of Amos. If you remember, Amos is all about judgment. Right? Judgment is a big word. When we're talking about Amos, the thing you remember is God's judgment. Over and over again, this will be a theme that's going to be repeated over and over again. We've been studying this for months and months, years and years probably, right? About God's judgment. And it started off in chapter 1 right out of the gate with that, right? It talked about six Gentile nations, right? And the judgment that that was coming to them, right? We hear this repeated phrase, right? For three transgressions and uh, of, you know, fill in the blank, and for four, right? I will not turn away the punishment thereof. And we went throughout this whole list in these verses, right? This is what's going to happen to Damascus. This is what's going to happen to uh, Gaza. This is what's going to happen to, you know, Edom, etc., etc., right? Then chapter 2, we saw a little switch, right? We saw those Gentile nations first. Chapter 2, we started hearing about God's judgment on Judah, Right? Which would be surprising to them to hear that they had done stuff wrong too, right? I'm sure they would support, yeah, put judgment on our enemy countries, right? But they themselves are guilty of sin as well and worthy of punishment. We read about Judah. Their sin was that they despised the law of the Lord, did not keep their commandments. They should have known better, yet they still walked in the way of sin. That's what we studied when we studied Judah. Last time, we start off with verse 6 in chapter 2. Verse 6 in chapter 2 starts off, what? Again, for three transgressions of who? Of Israel. Of Israel. So these are the sins of Israel, which, of course, are many. And we start studying the first thing that God said about Israel, what Israel as a country was doing wrong last time. Right? And it said in verse number 6, that they sold the righteous for silver and the poor for the pair, a pair of shoes. And the start of verse 7 was that they pant after the dust of the earth on the head of the poor and turn aside the way of the meek. Last time when we looked at these verses, we were talking about how the people of Israel back then treated their poor people so poorly. right? That basically they were so self-centered, right, caring only about their own selves and their own lives. They didn't care what happened to other people. They had no compassion on other people. Right? These verses, as I explained, was, uh, <clears throat> I represented the way things worked way back when, right? over 2,000 years ago, of indebtedness. Right? When someone's poor and owed you money that they couldn't pay you, you did have a right to get your money back by like, selling them into slavery and getting your money back that way. But that's what it means when they sold the poor, they sold the righteous for silver, right? When we're talking about righteous, they're talking about people that maybe they had an excuse for not paying you back, right? They had a reason. But even though they had a reason, like maybe they got sick and they had to spend their money on something else, right? They someone robbed them of all their money and they couldn't pay you back, right? They need a little more time. 
that these people in Israel were so uncompassionate that even for what? Even for the price of a pair of shoes, there is no mercy, right? They sold the righteous for a pair of shoes. They didn't care. Did not care one bit, right? They pant after the dust of the earth on the head of the poor, right? They step on the poor to get the earthly possessions that they want and they need. And that was one of the big sin of Israel. One of the things they got called out on by God. One of the reasons judgment was coming to them. And as I said, there's a lot of other reasons, right? Today, we'll look at the second one that God really calls out here right now. God calls out this in verse 7, the second half. It says, a man and his father will go upon unto the same maid and profane my holy name and laid themselves down upon clothes laid to pledge by every altar and drink the wine of the condemned in the house of their God. Right? We're here about, what we're talking about here is pretty you know, clear if you read by the, the literal meaning of the words, which we do. It says what? It says that there were people a man and his father, two men of the same family, that go upon the same maid, the same woman. Basically, they have sexual relationships with the same woman. Obviously, that's sinful, right? That's sinful. They profane his holy name by doing that. That's obviously a violation of one of God's Ten Commandments right there and clear, right? What does it say next? In verse 8, they lay themselves down upon clothes laid to pledge for every altar. Now, that's kind of, you know, not, not the wording that we would use nowadays. And that confused me when I read that. But that actually refers to something in the book of Exodus. You don't have to necessarily turn there. But in Exodus chapter 22, verse number 26, it talks about when you borrow your neighbor's clothes, right? Your neighbor's raiment, right? It says to take the neighbor's raiment to pledge. I guess that was the saying back then, right? And it says that if you do that, you must deliver it back before the sun goes down. Like you borrow your friend's jacket, you're cold, you should give it back to him by nighttime because your friend might need it back, right? It might be cold for them. That's the idea, right? That's just like common courtesy. God put it down there in the book of Exodus, right? Well, he's saying this, that these guys, they go and have the sex with the prostitutes or whatever, right? And then they, they borrow people's clothes and they use them after their process. They sleep on top of it, right? These are the mindset of the people. And what more do they do while they're having their sex and using other people's clothes and dirtying them? They're sitting back and drinking their wine, right? Getting drunk. All this in the house of their God. And when they say the house of their God, I think this is what this is referring to, at least in the context of the Bible over here, of the stories of way back when. I think I've mentioned this before. Back then, the competing religions of the day, right? That there's other beliefs. One of the, one of the other competing belief systems believed in this when it came to uh, sexuality. They believed that having sex was part of a religious experience. It's part of a religious experience, right? That this act will somehow bring you closer to whatever God it was that they worshipped, right? And therefore, people want to go have sex and they want to go get closer to their phony God, right? 
And so there were temples back then, temples that literally, quite literally, had in them prostitutes, right? Our temple is full of prostitutes because that's the way our business works, right? We get people in to donate to our phony God's temple and we provide to them a woman. And then as it says right here in the verse, the man can go there. The man's father can go to the same woman. And that is the way they worship their God. That's why it says in verse number eight, right? That they're condemned in the house of their God, right? And notice a small g God, right? That's their God, their phony God, their phony way of worship. But that's the way it was back then. That's the type of sin that Israel had fallen into. And remember, we've talked about so much in our study of the minor prophets over and over again, that they had fallen into the worship of idols. When you fall into the worship of idols, they fell into those same idolatrous practices, right? So they're doing these idolatrous practices. They say, of course, I'm going to go follow the trend and I'm going to go find the prostitute. I'm going to have all the sex I want. Oh, because that's excuse is that I have to do it to be holy to this whatever fake God idol I'm worshiping, right? That's their excuse to go do this. And in the meanwhile, you see what the real thing they're doing is, right? And that's why God adds in all these other things. It's not just they're doing that, right? It's that there's taken, they're, they're being inconsiderate to other people's belongings. It's they're getting drunk. What are they really doing? It's the same thing we talked about in the previous verse. When we talk about stepping on the heads of the poor, they are being, once again, self-centered, self-pleasuring above all else, right? That's Israel's continuous problem. Their problem is they care only about themselves, their gratification, their happiness. It doesn't matter what God's law is. God says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Don't care, right? God says, treat other people's belongings with respect. Don't care. God doesn't like people getting drunk and stuff. Don't care. They're living it up in the house of their other God, right? Having a grand old time. Obviously, that's where God's judgment comes in. He's judgment for this level of sin, this bad behavior. And it makes sense to all of us, I think, right? So that's what Israel did wrong this time. So we looked a little bit about it this time into Israel's sin. Specifically, I'm going to talk a little about today about their sexual sin. Because as we know, and as I probably don't have to say that much about, because we all know it and we live in it and we see it in our own eyes, that we also live in an era where sexual sin is rampant. Where it's out there, it's in your face, around every corner. You can watch the TV and the movies, and you see this is the culture that we live in. The culture of sex, right? Let's not even talk about what exists out there on the internet, right? And you don't need me to describe all the things because I bet you guys know as much as I do just from living your life. You've seen it out there, right? You've seen all the things and all the different ways that our society today focuses so much on the same thing, right? We know that it's out there. People are so into it and the culture the culture has moved to the point of what? The culture has moved to the point of, well, we accept all this because this is what we think is right, right? We want to have our own freedom. And freedom includes sexual freedom. Do whatever we want, whenever we want, 
who are you to say what I do? You know, my, my independent, you know, don't care about what happens in my bedroom, basically, right? You guys have heard these expressions, right? And as like, if you guys don't like it, then don't care about me, right? This is my life. I do what I want, right? And what kind of life do these people say? You know, they, they have basically their own belief system, if it were a way of thinking about it, right? Their own belief system, right? Where they say, hey, you know, we believe that stuff like having sexual relations is all about, oh, meeting our human need, right? Just like we're an animal, right? This is a very evolutionary, evolutionary idea, right? People think like this, don't, don't think like, oh, like Christians do, that we're created by creator. They think, oh, we're... Uh, products of evolution. We're just an animal. So why not? Why don't we do this? This is what the animals do, right? That's part of their belief system, right? Mm. Their belief system is, you know, we do this because we're like an animal. Number two, they act like this because, uh, number one, they believe that they're like an animal. Number two, I lost my train of thought here. What am I saying? The second thought was that, um, ah, crap. Once in a while, you draw a blank, right? When you're, when you're in the thing. So, uh, so they have their own thought about what's right. And they say that, uh, that in doing this, it makes them happy, right? It makes them happy and they're following the things of their own lust, right? It fulfills their own desire, right? And what's wrong with fulfilling your own desire? Right? And what's more wrong with fulfilling your desire with other people who feel the same way? After all, we're not hurting anybody. How is it hurting you that I have sex with this person? Right? Or if two men have sex with each other. Or if I want to be, you know, transgendered and dressed up the other way or whatever. All these things, how does that hurt other people? Well, that's the way they think too. It's all consensual. It's all our own thing, right? You know, there's nothing wrong with it. That's the world that they have, the worldview that they have espoused, right? And how important is this to them? How important is this to them? It is more important to them than anything, it seems like. More important than life. Is that right? I think it is, right? Their sexual freedom to do whatever and whenever they want is more important than life. What happens? Oh, we go have sex with some, some woman, we, we consented or whatever, whatever. Oh, the person got pregnant, right? Well, that's okay. That won't interfere with our freedom. Why? Because then we can just kill the baby. There you go. They're problem solved, right? It's more important than life for these people, right? And on a side note, I don't know. I didn't really want to talk about this today, but if you've seen like uh, recently in the news, you hear a lot about these laws that people are passing in New York and Virginia, which thankfully aren't in effect for real, but at least espouse a certain set of ideas about abortion, about how they want to have people have the right to uh, have abortions up until their babies are born, right? This tells you a thing or two about the people that want this, right? You hear a lot of times about, oh, we want to have abortion because it's my body, my right. That's their, their saying, right? My body, my right, my health. Folks, when your baby is already eight months old, nine months in your body and you still want to have the abortion, it is no longer about my body and my rights, right? That's just an excuse 
This is the excuse that people say. The real reason we know that anyone would want to have, get rid of their baby that late is because they just don't want the baby. They are saying, it's my life. They're being self-centered. I don't want to care for this baby. I don't want to take care of this baby. Let me get rid of it. If they really were true abortion you know, believers and stuff, they had like, what, eight, nine months to get rid of this baby and murder the baby all this time. They wait till the last second. It's because their fear of this responsibility. And that's a side note. We're not really talking about that today, but I just want to point that out That What is it again? It's not about, oh, whatever. It's about their own self-centeredness. Self-centeredness. My well-being, my thing, my life is more important than whatever else, even someone else's life, right? And now so it is when it talks about their sexual freedom, that my freedom is more important than even other life. You have that. You have things like STDs, right? I don't care if I give other people STDs or I get STDs. It's more important. I have my freedom. That's the attitude they have, right? We all know that if you wanted to end STDs, what's the simplest way? Simplest way is don't go around and have so many partners, right? If you have so many sexual partners, that's the way things spread. If you only had one, like how the Bible commands, you wouldn't have STDs literally killing people. But the attitude of the world today is that we would rather have people die than oppress that freedom. Why? Because just like in the days of Amos, what is the attitude of the people? The attitude is the attitude of self-centeredness. We're talking about my pleasure, my happiness. I'm doing the thing for me. It's no surprise that what is a trend in society and culture to, to what is a trend? The trend is to have more and more things that, that are destructive for the world as a whole, but better for me. That's why we wouldn't do stuff like legalize marijuana. Everybody knows it's destructive. Everyone knows that if you have marijuana, there'll be more people driving under the influence. We know that it messes up people's brains. There's no, there's no doubt. The science is clear, right? Nobody cares because it makes me feel better, right? That's the way it is right now. It makes me feel better. There's some other bad side effects. That's okay. It, might, it won't affect me most likely. So therefore, I don't care. It's about me. So that's the type of world that Amos is living in. The world where Israel had fallen the same kind of thought. And we can relate to it, right? Where it's like, hey, it's all about me, my happiness. Oh, God says all this stuff. I don't care. That doesn't make me happy. Following God's rules, that would make God happy. It doesn't make me happy. That's why they just go, forget it. I don't want it. I'm going to go do what I want. I'm going to go see, go to the temple and hook up with the prostitutes. I'm going to do whatever, right? That was their way, much like the people today, right? And they say, oh, you know, people, are, people say all this stuff about how we ought to live our life, whatever. I don't care. This is what makes me happy. This is how the animals would do it, right? This is my life. Don't care. I'm not hurting anybody. That's what they decide to do. But that's not right when we talk about what God's word is. We know what God's standard is, and we don't need to go into too much detail about this because you've heard it many times before. It's quite simple. God's standard when it comes to stuff like this is to stay away. Stay away from sin. It's pretty obvious, right? When it comes to sexual sin, it's very obvious too. It's complete abstinence, right? That he wants to stick in the relationship only the way God wants it, right? The marriage bed to be undefiled, as it says in the Bible, right? That's a standard. 
And we know that standard. Hopefully we've heard it before. Melvin and Nathan talked about it before in the past. But certainly, sometimes we need guidance. And I'll offer a little bit of guidance. How do we get to that? Right? Because we see many people, many people, slip up. Many people have find a hard time to follow God's way. I was reading, as I was doing a little bit of research for this, about uh, you know, a pastor that did stuff like uh, uh, premarital counseling, and he talked about how of the people that he was counseling, you know, the young couples that were coming to him, that about 75% of them, 75% told them that they've already had sexual relationships before they got married, right? And this is among people that are you know, in the church and coming to him for counseling and stuff like that. And that's something he's surprising that decided to write about online, right? So you know, I read about it. I was like, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, they've fallen into the culture today. So how do we avoid this? The number one way we avoid this is the same way we avoid all other sin, right? That's that we have to control our bodies, control the flesh, right? Because this, we know this. The flesh is weak. So the body says, that's what the Bible says over here. Our flesh is weak. We, our bodies have certain, certain what? Desires to go do things that we know in our mind is not the right thing. But we fall into the trap of giving in to our fleshly lust, our fleshly desire, and that's the way we wind up into problems. You know, we've heard on the news that there's things like pastors, even, right? Pastors of like churches and stuff that fall into sin, including sexual sin and stuff like that. And when people ask them afterwards, why did you do this? Didn't you know? You teach the Bible, right? You know that if, and you know that if you got caught doing this, you'd lose your job, you'd lose your church, your respect, everything like that. Why did you do this? People would ask them. And they would say what? They'd say, well, because I wasn't thinking at the time, right? That's always the answer. Right? Well, I wasn't thinking straight. I wasn't thinking, right? And that's how we fall into sin the same way, right? When we don't think, when we just let our body be the guide, we act worldly, right? That's how the world acts, right? We just talked about it for a long thing, right? Like the world acts as if you feel good, you do it, right? That's the world's answer. Feels good, do it, right? You don't think about consequences or other people or God, do it. Follow your emotions. Right? No surprise that there's so much divorce among the non-Christian world, right? Because it feels good to do it with this person for a while. Then it doesn't feel good. You find another person. Then it feels good then, right? That's the way the world does. They follow their feelings, but not God. So how do we avoid that? Well, there's something else in our body besides the flesh. What else is in our body? In our body, when we're saved, we have the Holy Spirit. Isn't that true? Does the Holy Spirit want us to sin? We know the answer. No, the Holy Spirit doesn't want us to sin. Definitely not. Does the Holy Spirit want us to do all these bad things? No, definitely not. Why do we listen to our flesh and not listen to the Holy Spirit? If we let our Holy Spirit guide us, then we're on the right track. How do we do that? Really quickly. And we don't... So we'll open the gate for you so you can move that car back in. Yeah. So, how do we do this? Really quickly. I'm running long time here. Really quickly. How do we let our Holy Spirit guide us? The Bible has the answer, right? 
we look in, and you don't have to turn all these verses. And I didn't turn it. I printed it out on its paper so I would remember it this time. Look in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. It says, like, say, this I say, walk in the Spirit, ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Right? So if you follow the Spirit, you don't follow your flesh. You get protected, right? How do you walk in the Spirit? Right? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. It says like this. It says, uh, wherefore ye be not unwise, understanding what the will of the Lord is. You have to understand what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk in wine, but be filled with the Spirit. So, you, in order to be filled with the Spirit and to walk with the Spirit, you need to understand what the will of the Lord is. How do we understand what the will of the Lord is? Let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Really simple. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly all wisdom right and we also know you know the famous verse thy word have i hid in my heart right so let the word dwell in the christ let the word of christ dwell in you that's how you get filled with the spirit and we know that thy word have i hid in my heart that i might not what sin against thee we protect ourselves we bring out the holy spirit we protect ourselves from the lust of the flesh by having the word in our heart. When we make the word of God part of us, when we understand that word, when we know that word, when we make that word part of us, then we let the Holy Spirit guide our actions and not our emotions, our flesh, our desires. Instead, we have our mind, right? Our rationalism to remember what the Holy Spirit is guiding us to, what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. It's obvious, isn't it? How many of you guys have finished reading the Bible and then turned around and said, okay, I'm going to go steal something? No one. How many people say, I'm finished praying and meditating on God's word and say, now I go feel like um, beating someone up? No one, right? Who here in church is listening to the message and God's word and in the break say, I'm going to pull out my phone and look at some pornography? No one. Because we have spirit when we have the word. When we are filled with the spirit, we don't think about those earthly flesh and desires and sin. It's our protection. We got to have it. That's why it's so critical. It is so critical. Otherwise, What's the alternative? The alternative is that we end up like the folks of Amos' day, right? Where it's not about God's will, it's about our will. And when we go down the path of our will, we know there's a bad result. The bad result is what? Well, we're going to hear about in Amos. The result in Amos is judgment. Just like there's judgment back then for all those people, the sinners of Israel back in the day, surely there's also a judgment for us, for our sins. The things that we do wrong, including in all these realms and areas we talked about today. So that's what I see is the second thing, very indicative of the problem overall of Israel, the problem of their own self-centeredness, their own self-desire taking first precedence over everything else. Next time, when we continue, we're going to go into verse 9 and so on and hear even more about Israel. But right now, we're out of time, so let's bow for a word of prayer before we finish up. Dear God, thank you for your word here in the book of Amos that uh, we can 
uh, hear about and know about the sin of Israel and have that be a lesson for us of stuff that we need to avoid. That they were so self-centered as a culture that they didn't care about following your word or anything like that. They just wanted to do their own thing and fill the lusts of the flesh. Yes, even those sexual lusts that it said that a father and a man woke on the same woman. Lord, we know we live in a similar age day. People don't care. They want to do whatever they want, whatever makes them feel happy. But Lord, we need to be filled with the Spirit to protect us against those desires. We need to be filled with your word to protect us from those desires. We hope that you help us with that, Lord. As we hear your people, your Christians, that we remember to be filled with your spirit and walk in your ways. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.